0: show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Rob Peguerrero. He's a columnist whose writings you see in a lot of major publications. A little bit later, in an encore appearance, we'll hear from podcaster and columnist Kirk McElhern. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. So just before we got started with Rob Pegarero, I saw this story in one of the newspapers that Elon Musk, you know, SpaceX and, of course, Tesla Motors, is ready to start going to Mars in five years. So speaking as someone who was almost self-driven to Cleveland, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a moment, are you ready to go to Mars next?
1: i but- start small let's let's go to earth orbit i think that would be a really neat vacation mars i, I got us the uh spouse approval process for that would be prolonged
0: well she gets mad at you she could exaggerate what they used to say on the honeymooners 50 years ago where he would say to alice to the moon and your wife mm-hmm. says to you rob to mars uh-huh. i think of the line which i can't use on radio about what arnold said in the movie total recall get ya to mars you know And he's talking about terraforming Mars and all that. But tell us about the trip. You went to Cleveland in a Cadillac.
1: Lucky you. Yes, the Cadillac CT6 sedan, the 2018 model year version, now on sale at a price I cannot afford, has an option called Super Cruise, which you can either add it to the premium luxury trim or get the platinum trim that comes standard, which is essentially hands-free highway driving.
0: Essentially.
1: Yep. You uh, get the car up to speed, get on the highway, give it a chance. The car has a high-resolution GPS database of controlled access freeways in the U.S. that Cadillac has mapped. It has cameras to detect the lane markings and radar to detect other cars. And if it sees that, you know, you're paying attention to the road, it can see the lane markings, it will then put up a little icon in the dashboard LCD. That's your cue to press the Super Cruise button. Maybe like ten seconds later, this light bar at the top of the wheel lights up in solid green. Then you can take your hands off the wheel. The car will stay in the lane. It will slow down as necessary if there's slower traffic ahead. What it won't do is leave the lane. It will not change lanes for you. But if there's some uh, like construction barrels ahead, it's up to you to change lanes for it. So it's essentially it's the car treating the lane as a set of rails. But it works. I, I was a little <laughs> alarmed, I guess, that yeah, you know, I've been driving for about 30 years, uh, almost entirely accident-free. And how quickly I sort of accepted, yeah, I can take my hands off the wheel and you know take pictures. I was tempted to Facebook Live the thing, but that really felt like it was going to be tempting fate.
0: Okay, so let me understand this. If there's an obstruction in the road, maybe
1: there's a piece of wood there, what does it do? It's something that's going to show up on radar. So the whole thing, the second part of the system is... Cadillac is trying to force you, the driver, to pay attention. So there is another camera in the car that is pointed at you. And if it sees your eyes are not on the road, that light bar will start to flash red. If you don't pick up and start driving, it will will eventually, after a few, maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it will bark at you. Please take control of the vehicle. If you don't do anything then, it will slow the vehicle to a stop, flip on the hazards, and place a call to OnStar on the theory that, well, the driver must be incapacitated. So we've got to get this person help.
0: Now, the OnStar system does some interesting things in terms of safety. If it senses an accident, it will call you to see if you're okay. Now, I have a Volkswagen with their equivalent of OnStar, or I right. used to anyway. So the car was hit almost head-on by a truck back in June. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, I'm still here. Good. Well, it's, it's possible, of course, it's like the movie The Sixth Sense. I'm not here, but people think I am. And everybody else sees dead people. The thing about it, to be serious, is as soon as it happened and the airbags were deployed, I got a call from Volkswagen. Are you okay? And I explained what happened and they had the uh, police alerted. They also alerted medics to have me checked out. Mm. So that system worked. I can't say whether it's better or worse than OnStar, but several car makers are pulling that now and it sounds really like something people need.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. All these technologies, as it was doing this cross-country drive, I guess it was about seven hours all told. We didn't go directly from D.C. to Cleveland. We did stop for lunch in Pennsylvania. Then we took a detour to the Flight 93 National Memorial, which, FYI, is, it may look like it's not far off the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It is. You spend quite a lot of time on uh, this little like two-lane road, and then the access road to get to it is another few miles. The two times I've driven across the U.S., which were a long time ago— <laughs> It was pre-cell phones, pre-GPS. Uh, one of these, the car I was driving didn't even have uh, air conditioning or power steering. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking driving a 1977 Toyota Corolla cross country, but that car did make it. Heck, I
0: took a Toyota Corona. You know how far that goes. I took it maybe halfway across the country a couple of times, and I took a Saturn S. Was it SL2? That was a regular sedan back yeah. in the early nineties. I took that from New Jersey to Phoenix, Arizona, which was, what, about 2,500 miles? And we started the trip. It was snowing in New Jersey. Hmm. We didn't get past the snow until it was in Tennessee. My son mapped it. Of course, my son was eight or nine years old. He mapped the entire trip for us, and he was perfect. So we was physically mapped the trip, obviously mostly interstate driving. No cell phone, Mm -hmm. no internet. Well, let me amend that. I did have AOL, and I was working with AOL as a forum leader, so I had free access. So we could hook up the modem to the phone line at the hotel, and I'd stay in touch in terms of email, but nothing like today where you have a powerful supercomputer in your pocket, Mm -hmm. and it's communicating constantly online. Right. But obviously, what you're seeing there is a very small first step towards autonomous driving. Yep, We're assuming here that what, 2020, 2021, something like that, somebody's going to give us the entire thing, the full Monty. What do you think?
1: It's possible. The question is at what price? You know, when you start putting on, obviously, the Cadillac system, it costs a little less than five grand. They got to make some money off this. But, you know, it's only highway can't do stuff in the cities and on streets with pedestrians and cyclists and whatever because it doesn't have LiDAR sensors. You know, when you see a picture of like a Google self-driving car or the ones that Uber's testing, those are these little sensor pods that stick out in funny places. And when I interviewed the president of Cadillac last year at the Web Summit Conference, he said, you know, we we can't have a car that looks like that. (laughs) So you've got to sort of miniaturize that stuff, and it gets really expensive. And so the question is then... You know, for self-driving cars to be effective, they've got to be stuff that, you know, see widespread adoption. And if they're going to be really expensive, it might be more affordable that we then just, you know, it's the car as a service. You don't want to have the self-driving car sitting around for most of the day. If it's going to be that expensive, then get as much as many 2D cycles out of it as you can.
0: Well, that's the thing too here about cars is that the car for most people is sitting there all day. You buy a car for, what, the average price is, what, $33,000 now. And more people don't buy cars. They buy yeah. SUVs and crossovers, not me. And that car is sitting there most of the day. Maybe it's in use for a couple of hours. If yep. that. Now, the only problem with that is if you're going to use that car more than that, all the wear and tear that car is going to wear out pretty quickly. If you got that thing running five, six, seven hours a day, and you're running up 25, 30,000 miles, 30, miles a year, how many years do you get from that car before it needs major repairs? It needs engine work. It needs transmission. It needs all those really, really expensive service procedures that you don't see until you get past 30 or 60,000 miles. We've got Rob Peguerrero. Yeah. And he writes for a host of places that he'll explain <laughs> about later. And I really wanna ask I wanna ask him also more about the dark side of cable cord cutting. And he'll see what I mean in a moment. More to come from okay. Tech Tyna, Tech Night How Live. <laughs>
3: Kiyosaki, Rogers, and Schiff all concur. There's an economic calamity that'll be facing this country. My question to you is do you know when and are you prepared? Most people don't, but my friends over at Republic Monetary Exchange have been leading experts in precious metals to help you offset the coming economic collapse. Right now, for a limited time, they have a free book called The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. You simply need to give them a call at 888 772 2929 to get that in your hands. Do not allow the insiders to do what they did to you in 2008 putting your iras 401ks and savings in jeopardy you need this book and you need it now the 10 reasons you should own gold call 888-772-2929 that's 888-772-2929 there's a reason that the largest investment banking company in the world jp morgan just purchased another 50 million ounces of silver this free book will explain it 888-772-2929.
0: talking to Rob Piguero about autonomous driving, about cars, sharing ownership, I guess, because they talk about Uber and Lyft, and I've done both, as ride sharing, but it's not really ride sharing. It's your car being used as a taxi cab. So why do they call that ride sharing?
1: I like the term ride hailing, and I think the Associated Press actually changed their style book to explicitly call call that out. Because, yeah, I mean, the original concept of Lyft was, oh, you know, this is great. People have to drive anyway on this direction so they can pick up somebody else. But, you know, people are doing this full time. So, you know, they're they're not sharing their car just to optimize their commute a little bit. They're doing it so they can make a living. So I try to use ride hailing myself whenever I write about these services.
0: Whatever it is. Eventually those who drive will be put out of business because both Lyft and Uber are looking for autonomous driving. Every so often yep. here near Phoenix in Tempe, Arizona, or Mesa or somewhere, I see one of those test vehicles from Uber. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that weird device, spinning device on yep. the top of the vehicle, and you think maybe if it spins fast enough, the entire vehicle will just get up and fly.
1: Hmm. Right? Self driving, self flying cars. A self
0: flying car. Okay, but how do you trust a company that wants to basically put the drivers out of business?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Uber has its own trust problems and they've got a new CEO who's trying to, who's got a serious public image repair operation underway.
0: I mean, I have no problem with the entire concept because I can use the extra money,
1: but still. Right. Uh, This was actually a discussion I had with the other journalist who was in the car. You know, there were a lot of people who were hired who work in the trucking industry. And that's another category where there would be a huge payoff to automate that since, you know, you no longer have fatigue issues. You can just have the self-driving truck, you know, drive through the night and avoid the traffic. And, you know, you obviously don't need to pay the cover the self-driving truck's health care or retirement or anything. Although I don't know who those benefits are at a trucking company, i can't say I've checked that up firsthand. So, you know, there, there's gonna be some big changes to how how we get around and who can make a living helping us get around.
9: Well, the
0: truck, especially, I mean, truck driving has got to be one of the most brutal occupations out there. I mean, just yeah. learning to drive one of those big things. And I'm used to driving small cars. I learned to drive in a relatively small car. I've driven relatively small cars, sometimes mid-sized cars for most of my life. Never had a full-size car. I've driven full-size cars. I didn't like it. I've tried a couple of one of those u it trucks, and I hated it. So you understand my preferences here. I can't imagine getting on top of one of those rigs and taking it somewhere. That's just way beyond anything I want to do. In any case here, before we go on, have you heard anything from Tesla about how they're getting out their Model 3s? You're supposed to be in almost full production now?
1: I have not. You know, I don't normally do that much writing about Tesla, so I'm you know, I'm not gonna hold against them if they don't loop me in on all their exact plans. Uh, yeah, they were talking a very big game. And, you know, it's interesting compare where Tesla was when they started and where they are now, because you know, if you want to buy a compact car with good electric range, you know, the Chevy Bolt is serious competition. First Tesla Roadster did not have serious competition and the You know, the the successor models, they were sort of in a category of their own. But now everyone is working on electric vehicles or, you know, plug-in hybrids that are electric vehicles almost all the time.
0: Right. The only thing it looks to me like the Tesla Model 3 looks like a car. It's priced like a BMW 3 Series. Don't be fooled. (laughs) Yes. But the Chevy, you know, it looks like one of these weird-looking
1: electric cars. Looks like a hatchback, compact hatchback.
0: All right. But how are they doing? The demand for the Tesla Model 3 was off the charts that they could build enough cars.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they had people prepaying deposits for a very long time. It's, so in that respect, they are in their own category because I don't see any of you know the, the legacy automakers getting people to put themselves on a waiting list and put down cash and those kind of numbers.
0: Well, it's an amazing thing. If they succeed, I guess it'll be more amazing. Let's get on to some other topics here. Now, you were checking out a new installation of Mac OS High Sierra when we
1: connected. Yep. And you wondered whether the thing would boot or not. <laughs> but it's working. So, isn't so far, it, we're, it says uh, it's at the installing phase. It says about 39 minutes remaining. But I should note why am I only installing High Sierra just now? So Tuesday and Wednesday, I was out of town, first driving up to Cleveland and flying back. Yesterday, I was at various events all day long. I did start my MacBook Air downloading the update, and then it stopped. <laughs> Started again this morning, and then it stopped. I'm like, why is this so hard? Really? Uh, and I think about the third or fourth try, the the download got all the way to completion. So now we're... Going through it, and we'll see. Uh, and given that the down, the estimates for the download time kept on ranging from an hour and 19 minutes or whatever to nine hours, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be prepared to expect some variability in the time remaining estimate here.
0: Well, the time remaining on installations is never accurate. Apple hasn't gotten that straightened out yet. It's the product of a random number generation routine. That's what do it. Now, the only thing I notice here is that Apple has only really implemented the new Apple file system, APFS, on solid-state drives, all solid-state, not Fusion, which is the combo of a regular hard drive and the solid-state. You can reformat regular hard drives or convert them to APFS. So my two external backup drives, one is a clone drive, the other is Time Machine, which I thought wouldn't work, are both converted to APFS and work perfectly. Oh, that's good to know. But it's just the Fusion Drive. That's a question mark. Now, we do know there's a report now that Apple is beta testing a 10.3.1 update, but nothing is said about features. But I did see a story today quoting game development engine producer Unity saying that the APFS update is causing problems with their games. Have you heard Mm. anything like this?
1: No, but I'm not much of a gamer, so that... You know, that, that wouldn't be something that would necessarily bubble up to, to my uh, awareness right away.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, here's a published report quoting something called Duo Security, shared by Ars Technica, claiming that 4.2% of the Macs they checked were running older firmware. Oh, my God, what a problem this is. All these people have the incorrect firmware update and then the fine print they couldn't even begin to estimate how many Windows computers don't have the proper firmware because it's just too many. And it's too scattered. At least Apple controls right. the platform. You, you see how they they always get Apple in the title, but they don't show you the downside.
1: Because Apple controls it, they should. I'm, I'm actually surprised that there are that many with old firmware since, you know, yeah, you have to restart your machine and it makes that annoying beep right after the firmware install. But it's not hard and it doesn't take much time as opposed to here. We're seeing, let's see. Did I say it was 29 minutes remaining? Now it says 39 minutes remaining.
0: Hey, you know what's lying about its age? Rob Pegarello <laughs> joining us more to come on the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
8: North Korea openly threatens the U.S. and launches a new missile every other week. Their warhead of choice? Electromagnetic pulse. Such an event would cripple the U.S. power grid for years and leave millions in the dark. Are you ready? You can be with a Solark EMP-hardened solar generator. Solark works day in and day out to keep your essentials protected. You can have peace of mind knowing your power will be there when you most need it. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to see EMP testing. That's PortableSolarLLC.com. Energy insurance for your family.
11: and give you good old fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5 That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
6: Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust?
12: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: Best way for you to support The Tech Night Owl in his old age? is to become a subscriber to Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot TechNightOwl dot com, plus dot TechNightOwl dot com. We offer you the commercial free version of this show with better quality audio for a modest subscription rate starting at a dollar forty nine a week. Go to plus dot TechNightOwl dot com. Talking to Rob Peguerero about early experiences with Mac OS High Sierra. And then he's still up. His computer, and as usual with Apple, the time remaining for the install goes up and down and all over the place.
13: So yes, it's problem- it does.
0: And maybe it'll be done by the time we finish this. Maybe it won't. But what I was talking about here is a report where a security firm analyzed seventy three thousand three hundred twenty four Macs used in production environments, and said four point two percent were running older firmware. Now, we don't know how old these computers are, okay? Maybe they're several years old and maybe the update system is better now or there are no more updates for older models. But there's a quote from Apple. We appreciate Duo's work on this industry-wide issue and noting Apple's leading approach to this challenge Apple continues to work diligently in the area of firmware security, and we're always exploring ways to make our systems even more secure. And now they say, in order to provide a safer and more secure experience in this area, macOS High Sierra automatically validates Mac firmware weekly. Mm, Nice. You see, so in a sense, it's good news. They find that an imperfect process is being made more perfect. Whereas what is Microsoft doing? Can Microsoft do anything?
1: Well, for yeah, device firmware, that's going to be up to the individual manufacturer. Although, I mean, realistically, you know, I don't think that many computers are getting pwned because of old firmware. It's, it's so much easier to trick the user into installing software they shouldn't, or exploit a vulnerability in the Flash Player because too many people still run that. You know, maybe if you had a situation where the uh, computer was locked and you needed to unlock it some way. And you could do that with a firmware compromise. But it's not the same threat model as I see it with phones, where one real risk is you do lose the device. And if you can compromise the firmware, then you can get at the device, even if it is locked with Touch ID or the equivalent in Android.
0: Yeah, that's the point here. I think they are a little bit of fear-mongering there because Apple's an easy target. You can easily check Apple because they control the platform. So the updates are more closely regulated. It's not the same thing as Windows, where it's a mess. As you say, You know, Dell and HP may have reasonable policies. They're reasonable companies. But what about a home-built PC? What about something right. older? You realize here that the largest number of PCs now is running an operating system that goes back to 2009, Windows 7.
1: Well, it beats when the majority of the the plurality of PCs are running Windows XP. We, we have at least advanced it that much.
0: Yeah, you have to think about that. I mean, even then, running an eight-year-old operating system, how is that safe?
1: It is not. And, you know, I've tried to point it to people, you really should install Windows 10. It is better, I promise you. It's, a, it's an upgrade. It is a lot more secure. So... Used to be people would stay stuck on XP because Vista was terrible. And now they stay stuck on Windows 7 because Windows 8 was terrible. And I have to say, Windows 10 is not like Windows 8. So it's a mess.
0: I understand with businesses, making a wholesale switch is time consuming. But come on now, it's eight
1: years. Can't, can't stay living in the past. Well, actually, you can because many people do exactly that with their computing and phone setups.
0: Well, especially Android smartphones. What is it now? Last year's operating system is finally on, what, 10% (laughs) of smartphones. Most will never be able to upgrade. Yep. And so they argue with Apple if the migration rate from, say, iOS 10 to iOS 11, oh, my God, it's a few percent less than last year. But maybe, oh, my God, it's because older hardware isn't supported.
1: Well iOS 11 has been out like two weeks. I would say it's a little soon to draw any concrete conclusions about it. You know, I am interested if if it is, you know, working okay for people. Since I've heard varying reports, there are some people complaining about slower performance, uh, impaired battery life. I haven't seen that on my own iPad mini 4. You know, my graphs, can, can we have a gripe fest about iOS 11? I can go on about that for a while. You know
0: what, if you're having problems with iOS 11, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm not I seeing think... anything untoward. My main issue is is this is more a problem with Apple's transparency. They spend a lot of time talking about ARKit. Uh, What you don't realize, unless you go to their developer site, is that ARKit doesn't work on an iPhone or an iPad that has a processor older than an A9, which excludes every iPad Mini made. And I can't buy a newer one because they haven't updated it since they shipped the iPad Mini 4. And uh, both iPad Airs. And of course, you know, there's a decent chunk of older iPads and iPhones that that can run ios 11 and it's a worthwhile upgrade so you know it's like what was the other time apple did something like this it was some issue with maps where (laughs) transit i may have to look up this usa today column i think it was something like transit routes weren't being offered because somehow that wasn't compatible with the original ipad mini There was some weird issue where the age of your hardware determined how a piece of software that was not graphics intensive, that wasn't doing anything computationally heavy, would work or not. And, you know, it was fun to write it up. You know, I guess I should thank Apple for not explaining these things since I have, you know, been able to sell so many stories that basically just provide the documentation they failed to do.
0: (laughs) Well, I understand in certain circumstances where... Older hardware is not supported, like metal graphics on a Mac, for yeah. example, or support for hardware decoding of the newest video codec, the kind yeah. used for 4K. I understand that. You have to rely on the software because it requires support from certain graphics chips. But Apple kind of sticks all that stuff in the very, very fine print. I mean, there was confusion with the Mac OS High Sierra update as to whether all drives were supported for the apple filing system and it turned out that the fusion drives right now are the ones that still have a problem supposedly apple is going to fix that in a quote future update but of course which they have to i think they want to but i guess the complexity there is still something that it leaves them but they're obviously working on it they tried i think early in the beta process and it didn't work anyway ios 11 like i said Every time one of these things comes out, there are reports of battery problems or weird glitches, and they've already released an eleven point zero point one update with fixes for what? Exchange Server email?
1: Yes, that was an interesting one. Like uh, I, yeah. my editor at USA Today called that out to me because apparently they do use. It's either either Office three sixty five or Exchange. And yeah, the IT department said, "Hey, uh don't update to iOS 11 just yet because you won't be able to check your mail on your phone." So, I don't know why that wasn't caught though because the Exchange Server and O365 are not <laughs> niche platforms. I mean,
0: didn't Hillary Clinton use Exchange Server for her private email?
1: I don't know. You know, I, I recall uh, that thing true. And then if that's the
0: case, there's a basic set of security. If they just installed it, that would be fairly good. Yeah. I don't want to get into that email stuff because that's long ago and far away. Anything else with iOS 11 before
1: we move on? So, yeah, let me uh, take a look at what i would written in this column and see if there's anything else that I want to sort of call out. Your listeners, bring it up on this iPad Pro I'm trying out. We've got see battery issues. So my thinking is people are complaining about battery issues is just because Spotlight is to reindex the device. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the first few days. And plus, you just play with your phone more when it's got a brand new operating system on it. But if people are still having these complaints, you know, three days a week from now. We have something else going on.
0: Well, you see, I was running the betas for quite a while. So anything that had to be indexed was indexed, so it didn't make an issue. More to come with Rob Pegorero on the Tech Night Owl Live.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com. Namecheap.com.
14: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today.
16: Dr. Carolyn Dean wants you to have a free chapter of her new book, The Magnesium Miracle, Second Edition, and it's available at MagMiracle.com. In your free chapter, Dr. Carolyn Dean explains how magnesium is essential to support the structure and function and overall health of your body. Your free chapter is your guide to learn how to support your heart, bone, metabolic, lung, and mental health with this powerful mineral. The Magnesium Miracle, Second Edition, is available on Amazon, but right now get a free chapter at MagMiracle.com, spelled M-A-G, Miracle.com.
12: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: Hey, I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have columnist Rob Peguerrero. We're talking about lots of things. And I want to mention also that my. Tech how columns are now also being featured at the GCN Live site for our radio network. So it's another place to find out what I do and how I do it. Okay, so check that out. All right, iOS 11, like I said, I have not run into anything that indicated to me that there are any issues of any note. A bunch of app updates have come, and I always, you know, make sure everything is going okay. I'm running a fairly recent iPhone. Have you tried any of the really new iPhones yet, Robert?
1: Uh, I've not only, you know, played with them a little bit. You know, the 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 iPhone X is obviously the one that would be interesting to play with. But, you know, the people who have review units can't talk about having review units. And, of course, there's one it will be in stores when people will be able to buy it. It seems like Apple may have some supply chain issues to deal with here, which will be kind of a mess. But we hear that every year.
0: Every year. Oh, they're having production case, bottlenecks. That. They're having, they're having, they're having...
1: And maybe that's why Apple moves off delivery till November 3rd. Right. You know, here we have a difference in that. There's there a, there a reason why you might have those issues, which is the fancy OLED organic light emitting diode display on the thing, which other iPhones don't have. And, of course, then there is also the whole face ID, facial recognition, which has got, you know, other new technology that it, there's components you don't have on any existing iPhone so there are more things that could go wrong somewhere in Apple's supply chain. Understood. But
0: then again, this is Tim Cook's Apple. You're supposed to know about that. That's his expertise, the supply chain.
1: Yes, I remember. That was one of the first things that Apple started to get right after Steve Jobs' return because they they would get things horribly wrong in so many ways. Yeah, looking through my email, other stuff people have talked about in iOS 11. We have an iPhone 7 Plus user who's very unhappy who, who had said he tried installing the betas and uh, very poor performance. The phone does not work when dialing out or receiving calls. Sounds like a problem. I don't know. I don't have an iPhone seven plus. Have you heard anything like that?
0: No, I just think there's going to be something until they get a couple of updates out. That's typical. Yeah, just so like with Mac OS writes- high Sierra and some gaming platforms, there's going to be a few things and those things will be taken care of. But then again, with a 10.3 update, Apple upgraded hundreds of millions of iPhones to the new Apple filing system, APFS. Yeah. And I don't know of anybody who even cared.
1: Yeah, if anything, that's where I would have expected something to go wrong because, yeah, doing a file system transplant, it's not usually what you think of as a, a casual procedure that you deliver in a maintenance release. But they pulled it off.
0: I have a 2010 MacBook Pro, 17-inch, still working. I gave it a hard drive transplant to an SSD, a 500-gigabyte SSD, a couple of years back from these folks at Otherworld Computing. And it converted during the installation of High Sierra, like one of the mid-betas, you know, like public beta 4 or something like that, converted to APFS, and no big deal. Well, that's good.
1: Yeah, my you know, my MacBook Air is 2012 vintage and it, it is not aging so well. Not so much in the sense that the software's got issues, but the keyboard, the the T key is technically speaking no longer attached <laughs> anymore. It sort of stays on place on the little post. So but, it's a T less key. Yeah, so I wouldn't have thought that the keyboard would be the worst for wear, but it's already years ago. On the N key for some bizarre reason, the uh, black finish has been rubbing off. So when the keyboard backlight comes on, it it doesn't, you don't see it glowing in. You mostly like this beacon (laughs) in the middle of the keyboard. And I don't know why it would be that key. I don't think I type that many words that have the letter N in them. But yeah, there you have it. Is it worth it to go to Apple for a
0: keyboard transplant? What would they charge for a keyboard? A hundred or two?
1: I I don't know. I I think. I think given that this is many years out of warranty I do better with a third party store although there aren't that many anymore. There there was one that used to be not far from me in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, but uh, I believe Mac Upgrades closed a while back. You know, TechServe in New York, they shut not long ago. So, I don't know. I hesitate to think of what the actual the computer is actually worth for resale. So, yeah, realistically I just need a new laptop, period. And I'm seeing
0: problem. the top the entire top case. Wait a minute, there's something called PowerBook Medic. Hmm. Let's see. Top case with keyboard. Them. And this is no, this is 2013 for $45. The entire top case. Replacement parts hmm. by Apple model. Hold on. MacBook Air. And this is gonna be 2012, you say, right? Eleven inch yeah, or yeah, thirteen year, 2012. inch? This is a thirteen inch, right? Uh yeah. All right, so let's see what they're looking at here. Okay, so we're going to look up keyboard, keyboard with backlight, fifty dollars. Huh?
1: I don't know how you replace it. Yeah, don't I need another fifty dollars of tools to actually?
0: Well, I don't know. You can check with MacFixit for that. Okay, does not include the top case. Hmm. It's let's say gives you compatibility list. They have free instructional guides. So you have videos. You know what you should do? This is called com, hmm.
13: okay.
0: And I, this is not an advertiser. I know nothing about the company. What you should do is go on there and see, what do I have to do to replace the keyboard or the top case? And if you can do it for 50 or $100, and maybe it's not going to be that serious a transplant. And remember, Apple has made it more and more difficult over the years, but this is still 2012. Yeah. There may be hope for you, sir.
1: Yeah, for 50 bucks, I would consider it because it would at least... You know, right now I can't even really give the thing away if, you know, you, if you're going to have a, a hard time typing such obscure words as the or then uh, that's really going to impair its utility to anybody else. But if, you can, if I can get it a working keyboard again, that would be nice. You can also,
0: still, I guess, check with your local Apple store and say, what's it cost to replace the keyboard? I'm yeah. assuming a hundred and a half based on that. I mean, yeah. they charge a fair amount for parts, but things like that, it's not excessive. And you may say, you know what, why should I pay 100 and a half if I can get it for 50 Well, maybe the drudgery factor. Right.
1: Of course, the other thing, this also needs, the battery needs to be replaced. The service battery indicator came on a while ago because it's hitting about 750 charge cycles. Uh, you know, battery life is clearly not what it used to be. And I would notice it more, except I've just gotten really good about if i walk into a room at a conference i case out the joint find the seat next to the power outlet before somebody else can so i sort of insulate myself in that problem as best as i can
0: as far as the battery let's see what they charge for a battery battery macbook air 13.3 inch battery 2012 2745
1: The That's interesting. I was looking at another site when the service battery thing first came on, and that one I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was just like the the list, whatever vendor I fix it listed, would have been the same or maybe a little more than what Apple would charge to just swap out the battery, which I was going to do earlier this year. And then uh, for whatever reason, the service battery indicator went away for a brief while, and then I had a bunch of weeks where I Could not be without a laptop for, you know, the two weeks Apple estimates to have the computer shipped back to California, have somebody do that replacement. So, yeah, we'll see. I guess I should probably research the uh, resale value of this since I don't really need to have it kept around afterwards.
0: The thing to also bear in mind here is a lot of these repairs they do in the field now, Apple. You shouldn't have okay. to send it away. I mean, something like replacing a battery. And I think here also, if you're replacing a battery and the keyboard at the same time, would you get a better rate? They're opening it up that, anyway.
1: That Yeah, exactly. Once, you, once you're already under the hood, you might as well, you know, if you're going to do the oil change, then uh, take a look at all these other components.
0: Yeah, go ahead and look at the valves, get a valve replacement. I am, have no idea about cars, by the way. You know, I know what they look like. I know how they work, but I don't fix cars. I check oil. I mean, I fix a lot of things. I've taken my Macs apart. The only one I will not take apart, or of the recent ones, is that iMac with that silly adhesive they use to hold Uh, the screen to the back chassis. I've done the one where they just use magnets. Okay? That I've done. And it's not that hard. I did the magnet one. But the newer ones, I'm not doing I don't know yeah. how they came up with this user hostile way. It's yet to say if they're sitting in a laboratory, what's the most difficult way we can devise to keep people from taking these things apart and replacing the drives? Because it's, they might want to replace the drives for a pure. Eight, I can get a pure solid state drive for the more recent IMAX for like seven eight hundred dollars, but I don't want to take them apart. I've got Rob Peguero. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's rockoid dot com.
6: With nearly 70 years of history engineering bunkers, today, Atlas Survival Shelters is still the authority. Atlas offers 18 different choices from commercial tornado shelters to underground nuclear fallout shelters. Starting at just $99.99 with 100% financing available, comfortable interiors, and state-of-the-art air filtration systems. Atlas Survival Shelters are the most popular private survival shelters in the world. Call 1-855-4-BUNKER-NOW or visit atlassurvivalshelters.com.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: Enough of this, though. Enough of ragging on Apple. (laughs) Let's rag on Apple again. Okay, so Apple TV, are you going to look into one of those? The fifth generation?
1: So actually, I am not, because I don't have a 4K TV. And not only do I not have one, like the corner living room where you could fit a TV, I can't fit one big enough for me to actually see the 4K resolution. So like that whole TV upgrade to me is meaningless. At some point, we will replace our 2009 vintage you know, LCD. But what will get me to do that is not 4K and not... You know, HDR, the brighter color, wider color gamut, the uh, new TV transmission standard, ACSC 3.0, aka Next Gen TV, which will get you 4K over the air, but will also have the advantage that, you know, you should have more reliable reception of plain old HD stuff, certain data signals. But that's going to be a while. The FCC is treating this as a voluntary transition. There's not going to be any deadline where HD TV goes off the air and it's 4K for everyone. People have to get converter boxes. But that would be something where it would deliver a benefit even in HD. It would also sort of future-proof me, which right now, that's not the case with the 4K TV. Even though they get cheaper all the time, every time I go to Costco, it floors me. I walk in, and you've got these something like 65-inch Samsung UHD for well under 1000 bucks. What know, a- size screen do you have? So right now, I have a 42-inch Sony. You know, it is not nearly as thin, it is a flat panel screen, it's just a thicker panel than what you have nowadays. In that corner, we could maybe squeeze in a 50-incher, which, from our couch, you know, no, we're not seeing those extra pixels. Yeah, the TV is old in the sense that the Netflix app takes a while to launch, and the, the UI could be a little bit better in some of the included apps. Like, the, the YouTube app uses some deprecated API, so it stopped working. But you know what? TV's paid for. It works. So... I'm perfectly satisfied letting it collect a little more dust. So a
0: TV should be good for eight or 10 years, at least. Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is... I have a five-year-old Vizio, 55-inch LCD. And it's as good as the day we got it. And now I'm talking to Vizio, and they want me to review one of their M-series 55-inch 4K sets. And we're living in a place now, the TV's in the master bedroom, and it's not a huge master bedroom. So I kind of think we are at the borderline of seeing the 4K advantage and the HDR advantage.
1: Yeah. So, well, HDR, you should be able to see that because I've seen enough demos, you know, that you might not notice the difference if you had a non-HDR TV. You put that away for a little while, then got an HDR TV. Side by side, it's very clear. It's very obvious. That's an effect that is not dependent on screen size. So it's a real upgrade. It's kind of stupid that we didn't have this become part of the the UHD 4K value proposition until you know, like three years after the commercial launch of UHD TV. But that's the way the electronics industry works sometimes.
0: Well, I think right now it's reaching a point where if you buy a TV set, it's going to be 4K unless you want the cheapest model. Yeah. And HDR is filled like all the other features. You'll soon see them with HDR right now. I think the 55 inch TV that Vizio wants to send is maybe $700 with HDR. 55 yeah. inch if I wanted to buy one it's supposed to review one. So we'll look at that. And then we might get the 4k version of Apple TV from Apple and see what happens with that. But the thing I want to talk to you about here is we've all explored yeah. cord cutting and the options. And you mentioned, of course, the, the new TV tuner standard where you might get better reception. Yeah. I live at a place where it's borderline with a traditional HD antenna It's hit or miss here. And I live in an apartment complex, so I can't erect something on the roof. Whatever I get inside the dwelling or on the patio is what I get. I can't even get satellite here, by the way, because they've got the regulations for satellites so screwy that unless you have a perfectly situated patio, which is a small number of apartments, there's no way you'll ever have
1: satellite here. That's a trick. I have actually looked up the FCC regulation, and for multiple family dwellings. They can't stop you from attaching a TV to a balcony, a patio, you know, stuff that you have exclusive access to, where it gets out, like where it can be questionable. You can even have it like sticking outside the, like the envelope, like if it's on the outside of a balcony railing and it projects out as long as it's firmly attached.
0: You see, that's the issue. They claim you can't, but you're saying here that legally I could have the dish all the way out there from the patio as long as
1: it's on a bracket. Here we go. The, the search term for this is FCC O T A R D as in over the air reception devices. So says here. So this includes single family homes, condominiums, cooperatives, townhomes, and manufactured homes. In the case of condominiums, cooperatives, and rental properties, the rule apply. The rules apply to exclusive use areas like terraces, balconies, or patios. Exclusive use refers to an area of the property that only renters and their guests may enter and use. If these, if the areas. Shared with others or accessible without the runner's permission, it is not considered to be an exclusive use area. Uh, So this can – common areas can include the roof or exterior walls of a multiple dwelling unit. So they may be able to prevent you from, yeah, putting it on the outside of a railing. That would seem to be – like I've definitely heard from people, some guy whose homeowners association was trying to have a a much broader ban on satellite dishes. And I I was able to write – Back to the guy say nope show this fcc page i don't know what happened but i could at least tell them that he was in the right and the hoa was in the wrong okay
0: so it can it go out beyond the side of the patio as long as it's mounted somehow yeah. to the patio
1: that's an interesting safety question. restrictions must be narrowly written so that they are no more burdensome than necessary to, ad- to address a legitimate safety purpose
0: you see, they might say that because I'm on the first floor and they might say, well, if the dish extends, you know, four feet out from the patio on a railing, maybe somebody will run into it.
1: Yeah. So they'll find a case, way to get away advocates. with
0: it. They always do. That's a. You see, if it's on the second floor, I can see. On the first floor, it might be a problem. Anyway, let's get to the cord yeah. cutting issue, okay? And that is what bothers me here originally it was we don't want cable or satellite. We want to save money. The rates keep going up. And so if we can't get over the air reception from an antenna, or even if we can, we get Netflix. Or we rent movies from iTunes. Yeah. Right. And now we have Hulu. And now we have CBS All Access. If you want to see the new Star Trek series, Discovery, they premiered part one of a two-parter on the CBS Broadcast Network to average ratings. If you want to see the rest, you got to go CBS All Access, and you pay two different prices: one is with the commercials, and then without. And then you've got what Disney is now going to remove their content from Netflix and start their own. And then there's Amazon. If you're a member of what the Amazon Prime service, that's a pretty good deal. The thing that bothers me here is we're getting to a point where you're going to have so many independent services and you've got HBO and you've got Showtime that you'll go broke paying a la carte because each is going to have an exclusive show.
1: Yeah, see, I don't know. I've heard that, and there is a risk when people get greedy. Like, Disney pulling this stuff off Netflix is problematic. But on the other hand, if you are a viewer who has to watch each of these channels you just named, then cable actually works for you. But most people don't work that way. They, they don't need to watch this huge wide array of channels. So, I mean, the whole point, we have Sling TV and, you know, we, we don't watch it all that much, but it sort of covers enough of the stuff we miss by not having cable over there, air fills in the rest. We have Netflix and uh, that's it. I, I would consider paying for MLB.TV if the Washington Nationals Regional Sports Network would stop being catastrophically short-sighted and stupid and let me pay to watch my team <laughs> in my team city. But no, the Masson is not run by very smart people. Most sports networks have gotten onto some of the premium tiers of things like Sling TV, PlayStation View, DirecTV now. There aren't that many exceptions. The Nats are one in New York, the Mets Sports Network is not yet doing that. So we have a situation where the Yankees aren't the team that looks greedy in New York, which is, I didn't think that was possible, but the Mets have managed to pull it off.
0: Well, sports teams have always figured out ways to look greedy. We've got more to come with Rob Pecorero. I'm Gene Steinberger you in the Tech Night Out Live.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
11: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly, pure soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk, get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply, or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5 Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5 or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good, old-fashioned, real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5 That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
15: Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some awesome no refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life nasa pack technology bacon fully cooked fully hydrated ready to eat right from the pack bacon or warm and served life-saving ready-to-eat bacon 10-year shelf life bacon ships free at fullycookedbacon.com fullycookedbacon.com do you trust our
16: economy How about our banking system? Our president has stated we are sitting on a bubble right now and that when the Fed raises interest rates, bad things are going to happen. Well, the Fed is raising rates here and now. There has never been a better time to turn your IRA or 401k into physical gold or silver with GSI Exchange. Call 833-GSI-GOLD. GSI Exchange can make this happen fast, and it's money you control, not the big banks. 833-GSI-GOLD. Ask about our Bank Failure Survival Guide and learn how your qualified IRA transfer can get you $1,500 in free physical gold or silver delivered right to your home. GSI Exchange has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Call GSI Exchange at 833-GSI-GOLD. That's 833-474-4653. Or visit us on the web at gsi.gold.
0: The other thing that's a downside, a huge downside with streaming is your ISP's bandwidth cap. Now, I was looking into options here. What I have now is CenturyLink. I get 256 gigabytes down, unlimited uploads. So I was able to send close to 400 shows from the PowerCast, 400 shows of 2 hours and 40 minutes each with a video that, consumes the entire thing like a slide or something, so there's something visually when you're listening to it. Close to 400 of those things I uploaded without any danger to hitting my bandwidth cap that doesn't exist
1: to YouTube. This is news to me. So CenturyLink says their system can get congested with downloads but not uploads, because I don't think that's how uh, internet architecture works. Uh, I think they're thinking
0: here that most people are really going to be doing mostly download, not upload.
1: So it doesn't yeah, matter. We, we know that data caps are just a way to introduce artificial scarcity. With with something like fiber or cable, you know th- this is not a, a carrying capacity issue. It's not like we can only deliver this much speed. But yeah, that that is that is creative. I will give them that much. I hadn't heard that. that they limit your downloads, but not your uploads. Now, I look at Cox. They're
0: high-tier services. They've got 100... 100- megabits and 300 i know they have gigabit too but they're high tiers for most areas 100 and 300 you get a terabyte bandwidth combo up and down i think for most people that's probably good but if you start feeding lots of 4k video you know think about it for example supposedly you need 25 megabits minimum for 4k so it means you need 40 or 50 really, to get consistent performance unless you tell everybody in the house, don't do anything while I'm watching (laughs) this. Don't do anything. Just stop. So I think there's a point where with 4K, you're going to hit your bandwidth limit. And I haven't done the math. I think with a terabyte, you're probably okay unless you watch a lot of TV. With 256, you're in
1: trouble. Yeah, and not just 4K. If you use an online backup service, you can get in trouble with that. Yeah,
0: see, that's, that's, that's the thing, years. too. That's the thing, too. I use an online backup service with CenturyLink. No problem. I've got, like, seven or 800 megabytes on my hard drive. <laughs> so that's a lot of bandwidth I use. But, yeah. this is, but it's a gradual thing. I'm not doing it every month. Once it's uploaded, it's there. It's just... right replenished, but there you go. The thing I'm concerned about here, and this is the big argument back to cord cutting. Yeah, All the services out there, at some point, you're going to have to come back and say, wait a minute, this is too many. I'd like to see that show, but wait a minute, this is too many. I can't do so many. The bandwidth cap, especially if you decide, well, I'll go for Sling TV or I'll go for DirecTV now or was this, PlayStation View is the other one. If You're getting something to replace your cable satellite provider, but now it's consuming bandwidth, and they'll add the 4K. You know, there's a yeah. point where there's something has to give, and we have an FCC now that probably is not going to care. Uh, nope, don't think they will. Okay, it's going to be all free market to them. So we have to go back to the beginning where... With so many services, and it costs so much to get these services because it's $10 here and 15 there, you're going to say, you know what, isn't it easier to have one set-top box, one system, and maybe I'll just supplement it with something?
1: Yes. But of course, remember, the set-top boxes themselves aren't free, and that's something that cable and satellite companies, traditional TV providers, are never transparent about. I've probably gotten 200 pounds of mailings from Comcast and Verizon since we moved into this house 13 years ago, and I don't recall any of them spelling out what it would cost to get a box for two TVs, make one of them a DVR, and it's always some big margin. You know, Comcast, at least, they now have smart TV apps for Roku, for Samsung, and they just announced for LG TVs. The way they have their pricing set up, you don't actually save that much. Like, you will save a little bit of money, but you'd think you'd save more, and it's because their pricing structure is so Kafkaesque, especially on the second TV in the house where they have an HD surcharge. They don't on the primary one because lots of us have old SDTV tube TVs upstairs. I don't think so. Why <laughs> the, do you have an oh, HD surcharge? There's no reason to. I mean, the, the idea that HD TV would be something you would pay extra for and not be the default. But look, there, there's so many pay TV services where if you tune in channel four, you get the SD version of it. Like it cracked me up uh, in the One of the press rooms at CES in January, I looked at the TV. It was, I think, it was Cox was the local cable company. It was one of the local channels in standard definition. The program guide was some awful SD interface that allowed you to see all of like four channels at once. And I thought, you know, this would be embarrassing and stupid anywhere, but here we're looking at the best that the electronics industry can can supposedly do, and here on this TV we're looking at a relic from. That interface didn't look good in 1997, which was probably the last time it got revised.
0: Now, the way Cox works is, if you want the HD version, it's 1004. But I would think you could set the set-top box to completely block the non-HD versions, and you can't.
1: Yeah, I checked this a while back. You know, There are some interfaces, like Comcast X1, will show you the HD stuff by default. There's others, like my mom's Verizon Fios box. It was some complicated procedure to work around some non-obvious setting to change and you know it's dumb you should just have the hd channel the The number of people who are still watching on a standard definition tv has got to be vanishingly small
0: well yeah i would think so but you still have it and there's still a handful of channels that are not presented in ht it doesn't make sense why not have hd for everything yeah
1: okay which one which one i'm trying to think like
0: Clue. There's a a channel called Clue. I think it's part of the NBC Universal Network. And it shows mostly police procedurals. And the last time I... I, Only a few systems have it. And I didn't see a HD version. It's called Mm -hmm. the Clue Digital Cable Channel. And I'm trying to look at where it's at. And it used to be called Sleuth TV. And I can't see where there is a HD version. Maybe it is, but not anywhere I've used. Now, it used to be called Sleuth. It's quite strange. Oh, it's never available in HD. Hmm. And Slogan go, well, yeah, as, oh, they closed it. Okay, no wonder. It was closed in 2017, February. So it's gone. Uh, well, maybe they'd still be around. About they were in more. HD. Obviously they found the clue. Rob mm-hmm. Peguerero. Tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff because you've got a clue. Uh,
1: I, I try to each and every day. My, um, you can find me on the web at Rob R-O-B-P-E-G-O-R-A-R-O. Um O R A R O. I'm on Twitter as at Rob on Facebook as Rob Peguerrero, Instagram as Rob Peguerero. Pretty much everywhere. It's the advantage of having a last name. Nobody can spell. I can at least get the first name, last name, username combo at most social media sites.
0: Rob Peguerero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
1: Thank you.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
6: With nearly 70 years of history engineering bunkers, today, Atlas Survival Shelters is still the authority. Atlas offers 18 different choices from commercial tornado shelters to underground nuclear fallout shelters, starting at just $99.99 with 100% financing available, comfortable interiors, and state-of-the-art air filtration systems. Atlas Survival Shelters are the most popular private survival shelters in the world. Call 1-855-4-BUNKER-NOW or visit atlassurvivalshelters.com.
17: Message and data rates may apply. Oh my gosh, that's Frank Thomas. No. Yes, that's him. Go ahead. Excuse me, are you Frank Thomas? Yes, I am. I bet you get recognized a lot.
14: Well, I was a pretty good ball player. You were? Some people thought so.
17: Sorry, we recognize you from those Nugenics
14: commercials.
0: Oh yeah? That's great.
17: So does Nugenics really work?
0: Oh yeah, I really can feel the difference. My workouts are better and I feel a lot more energetic.
14: I wish my husband would use Nugenics.
0: It's so
9: easy to get started. All you have to do is send one simple text.
14: Text the word PRIME44 to two. For a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And you're going to like the difference too. Text PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Samples are not available in stores. Text PRIME44 to 42424.
12: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: So we are talking with Kirk McElherm from his palatial farmhouse in the U.K., and we're going to talk about a lot of subjects. A little pop culture first. Because you got to see this new Christopher Nolan movie, Dunkirk. And the reason I want to raise that is because, as most of you know, I like superhero movies, although I have not had a chance to see Wonder Woman. They're going to make her, I guess, the focal point of all the new movies from the DC Universe. So, like, they're editing now Justice League. They've got... Joss Whedon helping out because Zack Snyder stepped down because supposedly of grieving over the death of his daughter. And he's sprucing up the dialogue, doing reshooting, and they're going to make it, I guess, more Wonder Woman centric. Now, a general question here about things like that. Will you take a movie, Kirk, and for whatever reason, you got to do major reshoots after it's done, not just you know, a few minor pieces of dialogue and getting the special effects in, does that often mean the is in trouble?
9: Well, it could mean the movie's in trouble, or it could mean that they've made a, an early cut and focus grouped it and they found that people weren't enjoying it, or that the studio heads saw it and they said, we don't like this. But what, what you're saying about Wonder Woman is it could also be that they realize that they've got a big popular money-making franchise with Wonder Woman. So they want to get her in all the other movies as much as possible. Maybe they've highlighted the character more. Maybe they've built up the character more. And, of course, that involves reshoots with that character and probably also a lot of new scenes. You know, it might be reshooting scenes that they'd already done to give the character more importance, but also new scenes around that character.
0: You see, in the original trailers for Justice League, it was Batman-centric. So Batman helps assemble this team of metahumans to fight this threat, and he's working in partnership with Wonder Woman. So I guess what happens here now is that Wonder Woman is given more emphasis. Supposedly, the battle scenes are pretty much the same, but the setups and everything are given ways to highlight her.
9: I think the way they do these battle scenes with all this CGI, they probably can't really reshoot that easily, because they're probably months working on those scenes, whereas they can reshoot the live-action scenes a lot more easily.
0: And also to bear in mind here, you know, all it takes sometimes is just a few lines of dialogue to very much change where a scene is going.
9: But that few lines of dialogue can be several days shooting because they need to get all the actors in certain sets and they need to rebuild the sets, maybe, and pull out the costumes. And it's probably a lot of work to do that.
0: Oh, I am sure it is. But the one thing I have noticed, I did not see Wonder Woman. I did see Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice is that Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, is a shining light. She's just got this great personality. And you don't realize it as much as watching her do action scenes is when you see her being interviewed. And she's, you know, a funny lady. And she brings that charisma to the screen. So they got something going there. It's good for them.
9: Well, let's hope they don't overdo it. Because, you know, I'm not an action movie fan. But I've been reading lately that people are kind of getting all tired of the Batman stuff. That, you know, we've seen all these different versions of Batman's in the past 10 years, there is a risk that they're going to end up with the same thing with Wonder Woman. They're just going to overexploit the character until everyone gets tired of it. Yeah.
0: But you know, Wonder Woman has been barely there for years. The yeah, character, but but the character is, is almost and, as old as Superman, but I know other it's, than cartoons, very... they had this short lived TV series with Linda Carter in the seventies. They've made attempts to reboot her and nothing has worked. So after all that time, the first iteration of Wonder Woman as a live-action character was in Batman v. Superman.
9: But the comic book is very old. It's one of the oldest superheroes.
0: That's right. It's only a few years after Superman. It's almost as old as Batman and Superman. And she's always been part of the team, a main focus. And it's really nice to have that happen. But as you say, overexposure.
9: But that's what these franchise movies are about. They're about you know, milking everything you can until it's overexposed and then pivoting in another direction.
0: Well, for example, look what they did with Spider-Man. They've had, what, this is the third reboot in 15 years? Yeah. But the only difference this time is they go back to the original comic book because in the past, the other two actors who played Spider-Man were guys in their mid to late 20s, playing somebody in his late teens or early 20s. Now they go back to where Spider-Man started In high school. He was a high school nerd, and a lot of the charm was not just that this guy's a superhero, but he's a high school kid trying to figure out what's going on.
9: Yeah, a lot of it is about basically the discomfort of a high school kid uh, essentially going through puberty, except this puberty is like developing superpowers.
0: Well, he developed superpowers because he was bitten by a radioactive spider.
9: Right, of course. But didn't they do that in one of the recent movies anyway? Did they showed the bit where he was bitten by the spider?
0: They did that in the original reboot film with Tobey Maguire, where they show him being bitten okay. by a spider. After that, it's assumed. The thing that bothers me is the Batman origin scenes where they've constantly shown the classic scene where young Bruce Wayne and his parents go to see a play or a movie or something, And as they're walking home, they take a dark alley as a shortcut, which, of course, is stupid. You're billionaires. Why are you doing that? So they're stopped by this criminal who kills the parents and leaves the kid alive. So they've played that scene in the Batman movie with Michael Keaton. They played that scene in Batman Begins with Christian Bale. Except the guy who played Thomas Wayne in that movie is the same guy who played one of the assistant district attorneys on Law & Order on TV. See, so watch. See now you're on TV to say, too deep "Hey, down the rabbit hole. isn't that Bruce Wayne's father?"
9: You're getting down the rabbit hole here. This is too trivial for me.
0: <laughs> and then you play the scene again in the opening sequence of Batman v Superman. where you are doing it all over again, reenacting that scene? Enough already. We know that Batman is angst-ridden because of the death of his parents, and even when he's 45 years old, he never recovers from it. The guy is a complete screwball. We know that. Tell me about Dunkirk.
9: Well, Dunkirk is an interesting kind of war movie because you know, you think of Saving um, Private Ryan, right? You've got that long 20-minute scene on D-Day when they're on the beaches. This is kind of the opposite. No, There's no spoilers here. Everyone knows what happened. There was something like three or 400,000 British troops who were stranded in France, who were surrounded by the Germans, and they had to get evacuated. So they were around the, t- the town of Dunkirk in France, and they were on the beaches. It's not so much a war movie as a hero's journey of trying to Achieve this goal of getting these people off the beach, and what happens is unlike you know it's not like these big landing crafts that come to save them, but the the British navy requisitioned all sorts of small boats fishing boats and and pleasure boats and all that, and sent hundreds of boats a big flotilla across the channel to take the the people back and so you see three sort of timelines and it opens up with one land, and then you see all the soldiers on the beach for a couple minutes, and two is air, I believe, and then you see um, three fighter pilots, British fighter pilots, who are trying to give air support, and then you see three, which is the sea, which is Mark Rylance and his son, who are taking off from Dorset in a little boat, like a very small fishing boat. And so it alternates among these three strands. And, and of course, there are plenty of deaths and bombings, and the Germans are bombing the the beaches and the ships and all that. But it's much less of a war movie because the British aren't really fighting back, with the exception of the fighter pilots. They're just being attacked, and most of them are surviving. It's a good movie, but my my partner said to me, after the music was just overwhelming, the music was constant, It was a soundtrack by Hans Zinner, and it was like everything almost the entire movie had music going on, and that was a little bit too much.
0: By the way, Hans Zimmer does a lot of the soundtracks for Christopher Nolan movies. He did the Batman Begins, yes. Dark Knight, everything, yeah. Batman v. Superman, Man of Steel, Justice League. So he's part of that. But of course, he has these kind of overwrought tendencies.
9: yeah. yeah. Um, but the cinematography was interesting. The production was interesting. The acting was very good. Uh, it was a lot of young actors that I don't know. And then there were a couple of better-known actors. I said Mark Rylance and Kenneth Branagh were in it. Let's stop there. Okay. Okay.
0: More to come. With Kirk McElhern, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Now Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN.
14: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today.
21: It's been said
12: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: So, talking about superhero stuff, which Kirk is not, Kenneth Branagh, who is a Shakespearean actor, he's a director. And he directed the first Thor movie for Marvel.
9: Yep. Okay,
0: so he gets his hands in everything. You see, that's part of the charm of superhero movies and, now. And you get directed, A-list actors and directors doing it.
9: Yeah, and he also directed the longest filmed version of Hamlet that was about four hours long. Um, it's the only filmed version of Hamlet. was only the first scene. No, it's the only version of Hamlet that contains all of the different texts, because there are a couple of different um, Hamlet texts. And... Most texts are a selection, the the majority of it's what's called the first folio, and some of the texts come from a a different version. And he put everything in it and literally made the longest Hamlet ever. It's a very spectacular film. It's set in, what's that, uh, Blenheim Castle, which is where Churchill's family lived. So it's a big royal thing, and there's some spectacular outside shots. But he has, yeah, he's done everything from, you know, he played Volander on the British TV series. He's done a lot of Shakespeare. Uh, he's got his own theater company in London, um, and he does superhero movies, too. And I think he does the superhero movies to pay for the rest.
0: And probably because he likes it. You don't do a movie like that and engage well, in that yes kind of Well, yes or way. no,
9: it's like... I'm sure Ian McKellen likes doing Gandalf, but he also seems to really like doing theater. And he probably makes more from one Lord of the Rings movie than from all the theater he does in a decade. Well, he Uh, did. They haven't
0: made any more. But then again, he also did X-Men. With his friend Captain Picard. They're buddies.
9: Yes. Well, they're very good friends. And they were they, they were doing Waiting for Gado on Broadway last year together, um, which they had done in London several years earlier. Now, I have a scoop for you. I'm seeing Ian McKellen do King Lear in October in a theater in a town called Chichester, south of London. And it's a theater of about 200 seats. And we've got front row tickets. And that is going to be really something.
0: Well, Bully, for you, if I like Shakespeare and all this other stuff, I would... not cherish that
9: i think if you had a chance to see ian mckellen on stage doing anything you would probably be interested in doing it
0: well i appreciate that yeah he's a terrific actor the fact that it can do everything you know you have these rare actors it doesn't matter what you give them they make gold of it another actor who was really good the late christopher lee now christopher lee did horror films he did serious films of course he played dracula in the movies for those Hammer films many years ago. He was in a Star Wars movie. And the guy is very, was very enjoyable to watch him just sit there on a talk show and talk, because mm. he was a storyteller. He was really great.
9: I, I used to see those Hammer horror movies when I was in my teens. Um, I'd go to a cinema not far from where I lived on, Sunday, on Saturday afternoon. They would have double features, some of them were like those old 3D films where you had the glasses where one was one lens was red and the other blue, things like that. I remember that one of them was one of these smell-o-vision things where you had a scratch card. It was pretty useless.
0: Imagine if you were allergic to what the odor was about. I remember those things. You talk about William Castle, who was a movie director who directed gimmick movies, and there was always something there, and he wished he was. Alfred Hitchcock, because he would appear as a narrator sometimes in his movies. Let's move to one other showbiz thing. I'm going to ask you, but I might have an answer because my wife has had like 15 years of voice training. So she is a soprano. She hasn't taken lessons lately, but, you know, she has a good pop voice also. So the question you asked here in a recent article at Kirkville, why do stars like Adele keep losing their voice? I guess you're quoting a piece from The Guardian in the UK. Yeah, I want to know, too, because there are lots of things going on there, and we need to talk about them, because my wife was given very strong education about proper use of her voice when she went to a classically trained vocal teacher years ago.
9: Yeah, this was a very long article in The Guardian. Um, And what interested me in particular was the fact that a lot of young singers are having problems. They're losing their voice. When she was in her early 20s, she had a hemorrhage in her vocal cords, and she had to have a, an operation, um, a microsurgery operation. And apparently, this is something that's been increasing among young singers. And and what they're blaming is is a couple of things. One is that singers aren't being taught to breathe correctly. They take in these huge gasping breaths, and then they, they start singing. But the other thing is that singing these days, a good singer is often considered to be one who's loud. Now, any professional singer knows that you don't have to be loud. You have a microphone. But there's still a sound that you get from loud singing um, that's different from like a Frank Sinatra style of singing.
0: Well, Frank and Sinatra it, and Barbra Streisand had mic- Mike- voices where they sounded much louder because they sang softly into a mic.
9: Right. But they knew how to play the mic as an instrument. Whereas now you're getting a lot of singers who are just belting out what they're singing um, as loud as possible, even though the microphone is there and the microphone does all the amplification. If they don't scream as loud, they'll still be heard just as well because the sound person will, will bring up the mic. Um, And and a lot of this is that the sort of talent show things like um, X Factor and all that tend to prefer this type of loud singer with a big voice. Um, It's not limited to pop music. The article talks about opera singers who've had this sort of problem as well. But it does point out that it's a problem in, in the way people are singing, that people didn't used to sing like this, and that there's been a change in the the way people think the voice should be presented. Um, And it's kind of surprising for someone at that stage of her career, she's 29 years old, um, to have to cancel a tour because she can't sing.
0: Yeah. And the problem is here is you can't have an understudy. They're present to see Adele. She's a unique person. And she needs to learn how to use her voice because there's so many times that the surgeons, the microsurgeons can fix your voice before you give up. I think Frank Sinatra at one time had issues with his voice. I know Bobby Darin did. He didn't use his voice properly. And I know when he came back to singing and he was doing songs like, this the late 60s, if I were a carpenter, he sang much more softly. So sometimes they learn the bad way, but remember if you do injure your voice, you may never get it back.
9: Yeah. And it's their instrument. On the other hand, you have um, musicians who sang, you know, up until their 70s their 80s, even their 90s, and and have no problem because they do know how to sing correctly, and they don't overuse their voice. Um, There are a number of opera singers um, that have sung up through their 60s, more often male than female, um, and, and that's a lot because, you know, singing in an opera can be quite taxing. Um, if you add in the performances and the rehearsals and all that, it's an awful lot of singing, but it's, it's, it's just surprising that, you know, the is there with microsurgery to repair vocal cords. And, and there's a mention of, um, this one doctor who, um, Runs the Massachusetts General Hospital Center for Laryngeal Surgery and Voice Rehabilitation. It says that he's repaired the cords of more than 700 performing artists, and mentions mentioned Sam Smith, Lionel Richie, Bono, and Cher, um, and other artists like Michael Bublé, whoever he is, Keith Urban, Megan Trainor, and Celine Dion have had to quit touring to get their cords surgically repaired as well.
0: Celine Dion is kind of a shouting singer. So I do understand. She is, yeah. That.
9: That's that kind of voice, yeah.
0: And that's where things like that happen. But something surprised me because I've heard singers perform when you say their voices must be shot. And you listen, and they're pretty good. Like, I'll give you an example. We all know who John Fogarty is, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. And he had that kind of howl to his voice, this raspy howl to his voice. And I heard him singing just with his guitar on a Howard Stern show. And John Fogarty is now, you know, he was Creedence Clearwater Revival. He wrote all those great songs. He's now 70. And he's just sitting there with his guitar. It's the same voice at 70. You can barely tell the difference between that guy at 70 and the 20-year-old who had Bad Moon Rising and Proud Mary and all those songs. Same guy. So he kept his voice up. Another singer who surprised, me I never thought he had a decent voice. But he's somebody who goes back to the 60s. He sold tens of millions of records. Tommy James. Tommy James and the Shondells. Sure, yeah. Heard him singing with a guitar. His voice was actually good now. Before, it was kind of thin, heavily mic'd with echo and everything. Now, he's a guy who is also around 70. And his voice was rich and pure. So, obviously, he worked on it. So now I'd rather hear the guy at 70 than I want to hear him at, you know, 20, if you want to talk about that. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: Actual
19: testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best.
8: I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework.
19: Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is food
13: storage I love to
14: eat.
19: Yum! Thepowermall.com.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: On the other hand, speaking of singers whose voices have seen better days, Paul McCartney. I heard a couple of recent live concert takes, it's pretty raw now.
9: Yeah, um, and you know, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, and you just accept that Bob's voice has gotten the way it is, and it's kind of shot, but it, it has a certain amount of charm, um, in particular when he sings these old sort of Sinatra standards that he's doing now. To, to say someone's voice is shot, that that's a negative criticism. I think it's the voice is not what it used to be, and it doesn't match what we consider to be the the standard of what a good voice should be, but yet some of these people with, with bad voices sing with extraordinary talent and have wonderful character.
0: Yes, but I'm talking about here, not a person with a bad voice, but someone who had a voice, an instrument that made them famous, helped make them famous. And when that voice goes, there's a problem. On the other hand, at 77, Ringo Starr still sounds like Ringo Starr.
9: Yeah, he's always sounded like Ringo Starr, but that's you know. But love but and Dylan peace. Sounds, yeah, Dylan sounds nothing like he used to, but it, I think it's fine. I think his his voice is what it is. You're you're going to a Dylan concert to hear the songs. You're not. He's not someone who's interpreting other people's songs, so it it's not quite the same as when you're going to hear say an opera singer. Um, And this article does talk about a number of opera singers who've had this problem. But when you're going to hear an opera singer, you're going to hear music you may be familiar with. And if the voice is bad, it's like if the cellist has bad sounding strings when they're doing a solo. And that just doesn't work. When it's a performer singing their own songs, it's different.
0: Depends who they are, what they can get away with. You know, obviously, you expect that rock stars will be rasping loudly. Yes. And that's it. Yep. There you go. I'm looking at the article right now showing what the doctor is doing. I had a throat operation when I was in my 30s or 40s because I was taking voice lessons too. And the technique wasn't very good. And I had some vocal cord damage and the doctor took care of it, told me not to talk for a week. And I didn't. And I'm still here at 475 years old. I have a cold. Yep. Yep.
9: I have a cold Lazarus
0: I have a cold right now Yeah, I have a cold Anyway, let's continue with stuff about technology Let's drop the voices
9: This is a technology show, isn't it?
0: It sure is I used to okay. think so Okay but, Okay Let's look at technology Let's look at Kirk McElhern, the curmudgeon Sometimes the oh, no. curmudgeon
9: right? What do they say now?
0: I don't know, we're going to get you in trouble We're going to get Kirk into trouble okay because he's one of my favorite people. And he's a fellow New Yorker. So therefore, yeah. we're going to get him in trouble, okay? He is teaching everybody in Great Britain to lose their British accents. No, I'm not. Of course he is. You have all those. Well, they're doing it anyway. How many actors are British and they come to America and they do American accents? And sometimes they do a good job.
9: They they do. Um, and the one that comes to mind is David Lewis in, in Homeland who, if you weren't familiar with the fact that he's British, you wouldn't even know that he's British. He he does it so well. Um, well, I, Batman watching- was a Welshman,
0: Christian Bale. Commissioner yeah. Gordon, uh- Gary Oldman is British. I look at the names of people in these shows, and they're Irish, like the person who plays Lex Luthor's sister on Supergirl, Katie McGraw, and she's Irish. And you can tell it by her attitude and her voice when she's interviewed, but you don't hear it when she's on TV.
9: I just watched a series on uh, Amazon, The Last Tycoon. It's based on an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel. And one of the actresses is Irish, and yet she's American. Actually, I shouldn't say anything, because that would be a bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the series. Um, But the whole accent thing is actually quite interesting.
0: Well, of course, the other example is this TV series on Showtime, Ray Donovan.
9: I don't don't really like that actor. Yes. Now, John
0: Voight is on there, and he's just great. He steals every scene. He appears, he steals the scene. And the person who played Ray Donovan's wife, remember, we're talking about a family from Boston with a Boston accent to some degree. She's from Ireland. Yep. So there you go. Of course, Thor comes from Australia. Anyway, let's just get to the technology thing. Okay. Apple's going to probably have new iPhones next month.
9: Really? Are gonna bu-
0: well, are you going to get one? You, you, you've got some
9: inside information on this. Uh, not any more than you have. Okay. Um, I don't plan to buy one. It's very unlikely. I'm using the iPhone SE, and there are rumors that it'll be updated in the spring, which would be two years after it was first released, which would be the perfect time for me to replace my phone. Um, I, I can't really, you know, I still don't like the larger form factor. Um, I can't really see what would be in the 7S or 8, whichever they're going to call it. Presumably it's going to be an 8 because it's going to be a big change. I can't really see what would be in it that would make a big difference. However, um, I'm I, I can mention right now I'm working on a book about editing photos, and it's very possible that the new iPhone will have some major changes to the camera which might lead me to buy one i'll have to wait and see what they present
0: apple watch they're talking about possibly an apple watch maybe just one model or an optional model with an lte radio calling dick tracy calling you know what i mean
9: yeah right yeah i don't know about that um so I think the main reason here is to sell the Apple Watch to people who use Android, because they can't have the same guarantee of pairing from any sort of Android phone to the Apple Watch that they do from the iPhone to the Apple Watch, you know, for all the security uh, that, that they have.
0: There's also the software integration.
9: Yeah, well, but it's it's a number of things, but I think part of it is the security, the fact that the Apple Watch is secure, and you can only access it if you tap your passcode, or you can have your phone unlock it. Um, and if you don't have an iPhone, you can't do that. Now, if they were to make a standalone device, it wouldn't probably integrate with the software directly, but maybe there would be some sort of a, maybe they'll have an iCloud for Android that would come out um, to allow people to manage, you know, contacts, email, calendar, things like that. Um, I actually wore my Apple Watch today for the first time in a while because, at least in the cinema, I can see what time it is if I want to on the watch, whereas with the regular watch that I'm wearing most of the time, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm still... I, the Apple Watch really isn't for me, and 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 I understand it is for some people, mostly people who use it working out and running and, and things like that. And I think it could be compelling for people like my son who runs several times a week who doesn't want to take his iPhone with him when he runs, so he has a Garmin watch. Um, if he were able to do everything with the Apple Watch uh, with built-in LTE, he might do it. Now, he could use it just for the GPS with the current watch, um, but he doesn't think it's worth it for, for what that is. So they could be trying to make one with LTE for the people who want to take the watch without the phone or for the people who want to use the Apple Watch without an iPhone. And, and I think both use cases are interesting. Um, I just, you know, we don't have any idea how many are sold. They said something like 30 million, right? Um, the uh, estimates the of beginning. 30
0: or 31 and a half million since 2015. To put that in perspective estimated sales of the Amazon Echo since 2014, that's a product that's being touted as something real special, are less than half the Apple Watch. So the thing is here is that they still sell more in total units on like a Fitbit. So in evaluating Apple Watch sales, what some of these industry surveys do is they lump it into a wearables category, an overall category, wearables, yes. and therefore the Apple Watch is two or three. If it were smart yeah. watches, it's Apple Watch and nothing else because nothing yeah. else is coming close and nothing else doing very well. So in general, you might say, well, compared to an iPhone, 30, 31 million is not much, but from zero to 31 million, you know, Apple's making some yeah. progress. We've got a lot more to yeah. come and we'll talk a bit more about Apple Watch and other possible things from Apple. In our next segment with Kirk McElhern, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget.
18: Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero capital gold would like to introduce you to the home storage gold ira it's a self-directed ira set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an llc but the big difference in this ira is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession you can't do that with stocks that's security You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more, and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. 800-535-7789. 800-535-7789. 800-535-7789. That's 800-535-7789.
17: Imagine what it's like to be active your whole life and then find out you're going blind. I have age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, my sight is precious to me, so I was relieved to find that treatments for some forms of AMD are available and research for additional treatments is underway. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where I found so much helpful information. Call 1-800-BLINDNESS today.
6: With nearly 70 years of history engineering bunkers, today, Atlas Survival Shelters is still the authority. Atlas offers 18 different choices, from commercial tornado shelters to underground nuclear fallout shelters, starting at just $99.99, with 100% financing available, comfortable interiors, and state-of-the-art air filtration systems. Atlas Survival Shelters are the most popular private survival shelters in the world. Call 1-855-4-BUNKER-NOW, or visit atlassurvivalshelters.com.
0: Now, obviously, if Apple puts LTE into the Apple Watch, it's $100 more at least. But as we say, it becomes a standalone device. That
9: seems like a lot, but I guess that's what they charge for the iPad to have cellular access, isn't it?
0: It's 130 for the iPad.
9: Yeah, that, that's it's, it's an awful lot when you consider the price of an Apple Watch.
0: On the other hand... You know, I can't look into Apple's mind, but obviously LTE had to be part of the picture. They've got to obviously look at some way to make this an independent device. Not saying people aren't going to have an iPhone anyway, but it means anyone wants one can get one. They don't have to tether it or depend on any other unit. So that opens up sales prospects. I don't say in the Mm -hmm. same way the iPod was opened up when it was available for Windows users, but they're hitting a much larger audience. And like anything else... People buy an Apple Watch and they have an Android phone and they think the next time they need a smartphone. I like this Apple Watch. It seems pretty decent. I'll buy an iPhone next time.
9: Yeah, it could be the sort of gateway drug to the iPhone if, if you think about it.
0: Gateway drug. Yep. Oh, well. I always wonder when we start talking about gateway drugs. It's a family show. We can't do that kind of thing. Yes. Yet. All right, but now I get your point. So do you think it's going to happen in... Seems like somebody saw something in this firmware for the HomePod that seems to reveal all this stuff, that it will have a SIM card or a SIM or some kind of SIM yeah. capability.
9: Yeah. Apparently, the firmware in the HomePod mentioned something. I didn't look into this too closely. Um, it's not surprising. You know, people have been talking about this since the first Apple Watch, and we know that Apple always holds back on features to not dump everything all at once. And again, th- there is the momentum of the Apple Watch selling. And as I said earlier, if you've got an Android phone and you really don't want to switch, and maybe you can't switch because because of your job, you need to use an Android phone and not an iPhone. Um, it, it offers more options.
0: Well, we always assume here Apple has a long range plan, but also in terms of getting a cellular radio, a cellular radio, to fit into that small package and not use too much juice. That is the problem. And it may have been a matter of technology, not just having things rolled out on a deliberate schedule.
9: Well, is it the technology? I'll tell you what worries me is that it's going to use more battery, and that means it's going to have to be even thicker. I mean, the Apple Watch is already quite thick. Uh, It would actually be very helpful if it was thinner Uh, Because the battery life's okay when you think about it. Um, You know, when I do use the Apple Watch, I don't use a lot of apps, but I get more than a day's uh, uh, use of it. I've taken it on some overnight trips recently, and uh, essentially I can get a day and a half, so I don't need to bring a charger with me.
0: Okay, but here's the point here, that with an Apple Watch... I don't know if the technology in LTE radios was there yet. Remember, they didn't add LTE to the iPhone until a year or two after it came out because they were waiting for the chips to become reliable.
9: Yeah, right. But that's because it was new. Now LTE has been around for a while and we're already up to, to 5G. Um, they're already testing 5G now.
0: Well, whatever the reason, I don't see why they wouldn't do it.
9: There you go. It makes sense. But right. at, at $100 more, it makes less sense.
0: Well, if they could do it for cheaper, they would, I guess. You know, they have to recover their costs. You well, know they
9: Apple. could. They don't need to charge $130 or whatever it is for, for cellular in the iPad. They don't need to. They could certainly... What does it cost them? Five bucks for the chip? Ten? It can't be that expensive.
0: It also has to have an antenna system and other components. But well, I can't another, see it costing $130. Dollars, unless Qualcomm wants yeah. all those royalties.
9: Well, OK, so it could be royalties, yes, not just the cost of the chip. Um, but it, it's just kind of, you know, th- they're going to price themselves out of the market if they continue with things like that. Uh, the, the lowest price right now is 399 for an Apple Watch. You can get one for less if you buy the Series 1. I'm talking about the, the latest model. The latest model is 399 Well, no, hold on. I'm in the 42 millimeters. So if you go to 38, it's cheaper, isn't it? Um, 38 is, let's see, 38 is 369 But you add $100 to that, On um, that's a little bit less than a third of the cost of the 38, or it's 25% of the cost of the 42 millimeter. That seems like a lot. You know, at a $600 iPod, $100 isn't a big deal. But a $400 watch, all of a sudden, that is more of a big deal, especially because people may buy an additional um, watch band, which is $50 or $100. Um, It's starting to get expensive.
0: Starting. As I said, Apple may be looking at, well, all right, but if a standalone device, maybe some people will pay for it. And that's it. Well, I don't the, know what the other, it costs to produce. You see, we're just guessing. We assume yeah, that the, other, the cost of the LTE radio is a lot cheaper than Apple's charging, that there maybe are being a little too greedy about it. I don't know.
9: The, the other possibility is that the LTE will only be available in the more expensive stainless steel model. In which case, then that's, that starts at 600 in the 42 millimeters. So if you add 100 to 600, that's not excessive. And I'm guessing... That the majority of people buy the aluminum model because it's 400 instead of 600. Um, so the stainless steel is already people who, are, who want to spend more um, because, frankly, the stainless steel doesn't look that different um, from the, the, the aluminum watch.
0: Well, I haven't bought an Apple watch yet. I have the Walmart watch, got two years ago, 1288, needs a new battery, but Walmart does that for $5.5. So I think I'm going to splurge today. I'm going to splurge (laughs) $5.50. People rag on me. You know, Gene, you don't have a lot of money. How can you spend money to put a battery in a watch? It's 5 dollars 5 folks.
9: Yeah, it's the cost of a cup of coffee, right?
0: I don't buy coffee from Starbucks. you got to be crazy.
9: Yeah, but, um, you know, the kind of people who are going to complain about that will compare it to the cost of a cup of coffee.
0: Okay, dollar forty nine for a cup of coffee. But if I go after one PM, it's a dollar nine with tax.
9: Okay, back to the watch. I'm just looking at the other stainless steel models. So it starts at six hundred. If you get the Milanese Loop, it's seven hundred. If you get the black Milanese Loop, it's seven fifty. If you get one of the uh, Hermes leather things, it's twelve, fourteen hundred dollars. So adding hundred dollars to those models isn't a big deal.
0: And Apple no longer has these. Edition, the $10,000 one.
9: No, but they do have the ceramic. Um, and the ceramic is 1300 So it's the white ceramic case. Yet it comes with a cheap plastic white band, which surprises me. I, I don't think the ceramic was very popular. Um, I, I've never heard of anyone who actually bought it, you know, in all my interactions with people on Facebook and Twitter and all that. Um, I, and there's only the one model they've never... Um, come up with a different color or a different type of band or anything. So uh, I don't think that was extremely popular. I think the majority of people are buying aluminum because you don't need to spend the money for the stainless steel with the ceramic. But I could understand that the s- ceramic would be the one, The sorry, I could understand that the stainless steel might be the one that could get LTE. We've
0: got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'll take aluminum myself. <laughs> this is a Tech Night Out Live.
10: listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
4: Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203.
23: you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681 Again, that's eight hundred seven six five nine six eight one. 800 765 9681
17: If you're a sleep apnea sufferer who's on the go, go to your phone and call right now to try the world's first portable mini CPAP device, absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, an engineering marvel that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Its unique design is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. No more dragging around a big, bulky CPAP. Even better, now you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights by calling miniCPAP.com, 1-800-962-4276. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. You can also add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. So now you can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. But don't wait. To receive your 10-night in-home trial, call miniCPAP.com now, 1-800-962-4276. That's
24: 1-800-962-4276. Back pain doesn't take vacations. It never celebrates holidays. It's on the job 24-7 to keep your life exactly where it is, in limbo. But it doesn't have to be that way, because Laser Spine Institute can help you take back your life from chronic neck and back pain. With a less than one-inch incision, our minimally invasive procedures have provided relief to over 60,000 patients with a 97% patient satisfaction rate. So get ready to stand tall and live the life you've imagined for yourself without pain are you or a loved one suffering from a bulging disc herniated disc spinal stenosis pinched nerve or degenerative disc disease call our spine care consultants now at 855-510-BAC for a no-cost mri review and to learn more it's time to say goodbye to chronic neck and back pain call
8: 855-510-BAC to see if laser spine surgery is right for you that's 855-510-BAC
24: What have you got to lose? Laser Spine Institute, the leader in minimally invasive spine surgery.
12: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: So, Kirk McElhern, speaking of aluminum the authorized way. You know, I don't care because I haven't bought one. I'm not going to buy one. Maybe someday I will. And if I do, fine. Obviously, Apple is sitting there at the head of a market. And soon they may not even be able to say that it's second or third among wearables because it keeps growing. We'll see. Let's look at other gear here, okay? But other kinds of things. So we have apple watch, we have the iPhones that you may or may not be interested in unless you have to do something in connection with something you're writing. So that's where that is. What else are we going to see from Apple this fall? The HomePod, of course, we've mentioned that. You going to buy one?
9: I probably will, um if only because it it's part of the sort of iTunes and Apple Music ecosystem. It's not the kind of device that I would buy if it came from another company. Most likely, I don't really care about Alexa or or Sonos or that types of things. Um, I I do stream music in my house using AirPlay, so that'll be practical. I'm not convinced that $350 for that device is really the right kind of price. That, you know, because if you want stereo sound, you need to buy two, and that's $700. And for $700, I can get you a decent amplifier and a good pair of speakers and an Apple TV or an Airport Express or something, or even an amplifier with built-in AirPlay, right? So you can stream to and still have a couple hundred dollars left over to buy music. So it, the price for me is a little bit too high. I'm not sure what they're targeting. Are they, are they trying to compete with Amazon's Alexa? Are they trying to compete with Sonos or both or do they not know what they're trying to do? Because remember when they came out with the Apple Watch, they said it was for three things. One was for telling time, two was for apps, and three was for activity, exercise, and all that. We've seen when the second generation of the Apple Watch came out that they kind of drop. they don't even really talk about the time part anymore, and they talk very little about the productivity in the apps. And the, the main uh, selling point for the Apple Watch is for people who are active, exercise, you know, runners, swimmers, and, and things like that. There are plenty of other people who use it, but they're marketing it mostly in that direction. So the HomePod could be the kind of thing that they're doing this scattershot marketing, and they'll eventually figure out, if it does work, who the target demographic really is.
0: Speaking of which, what about Apple TV? That seems to be a moribund product. I mean, it's out there. They're updating it and everything. The next generation may have support for 4K and HDR. We mentioned that with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer earlier today. But what do you think? I have a third-generation Apple TV, and I see nothing in the new version that tempts me.
9: So I have the same, you know, I bought the Apple TV when it came out, and, and I even bought the 16-gigabyte model because I was thinking, well, if they're selling 8 and 16, then there's going to be the need to put things on it. And then when I saw the apps, I realized that I just wasted my money. Um, I, what was it, 50 pounds more for the extra storage? But It's not the, the 8 only 16.
0: That, it's like 32 and 64, isn't it?
9: I don't even know. See, I, I have maybe three apps on mine, so I don't even know. Previously, there was eight gigabytes, and, and this was a sort of buffer storage. So if you were renting a movie, the movie would download, and it would stay on there while you're watching it, and it would maybe stay on there you know, until the 24-hour rental period was over. But I, I just don't find this useful. I use it to stream from my iTunes library. I use it to stream from my Plex library, which is where I put all the videos that I've ripped from DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, and every once in a while, we rent a movie from the iTunes store. I don't need the Netflix app because I've got Netflix on my TV. I might like the, – there's supposed to be an Amazon Prime Video app coming out at some point, And maybe that will be announced whenever the new Apple TV comes out. And, and that would make it easier for me to access everything. So I have to go on my TV for the Prime Video, and I can use Netflix either on the TV or the Apple TV – and I can use Plex on either one as well, but I can only get to my iTunes library from the Apple TV. So the only thing missing for me on the Apple TV is the Amazon app. And and if that was there, I could always just turn on the Apple TV when I'm watching TV rather than the, the, the TV tuner, the, the TV selector where, you know, all these apps on my smart TV, smart in air quotes. Um, so I would like to see that um, 4K content. You know, Amazon has some, Netflix only has some with a a, a more expensive subscription. Presumably Apple's going to start selling it. But I don't know how big a 4K uh, movie's going to be to download. You know, uh, HD movies, uh, a long movie sort of like Lord of the Rings or, or a James Bond, you're talking six, seven, eight gigabytes. Is 4K going to be f- twice that or four times that? or It's H.265,
0: so... It is better compression. So it'll be larger, but not as much. Now, I was looking here on eBay. So it's 150 roughly for the 32 gigabyte model, 200 for the 64. But if you go on eBay, they've got a manufacturer's refurbished model, which is just as good for $127. That's a 32 gigabyte version. And they've got the regular ones, new ones for sale for like the low 130s. I don't see the reason for the 64 though, unless you're an app crazy person or you expect to put lots of purchased movies on there.
9: I don't know. Well, you can't really store the purchased movies. You you can't say, I would like to keep this movie on the Apple TV. It doesn't work like that. Um, When you download something to watch it, it will stay there for a while, and I don't know when it, it clears off eventually. Um, it, just for those who are interested in a refurbished Apple TV, you can buy them on the Apple website in the refurb store. They're 129 and 169 for the 32 and 64. But th- again, the storage seems to be, um, you know, games, and that's about it. A- and even then, 32 gigs is an awful lot.
0: Yeah, I think the 32. If you can get a refurb from Apple for 100. 100- 29 dollars That's yeah. probably the best deal, but wait for the 5K version. I think you should have 4K. a future-proof 4K. Wait 4K. for the 4K version, because you want to have a future-proofed product. And that yeah, way it will be years old. This way you buy it now, the 4K whenever this comes out. and then you yeah, have something that's going to last for a few years and not be replaced by something else, until they have 8K.
9: Yeah, this is a two-year-old device, so it's it's pretty much at its renewal stage. Um, and don't forget, uh, 4K isn't going to necessarily get you 4K. You need to have the bandwidth. You need to have the 4K TV. Um, if you're using uh, an AV amplifier, you need to have a 4K amplifier. So you need to get a lot of – you need to have your whole chain in 4K. Now, I do. I bought a 4K TV last year. Um Because I wanted a bigger TV, and there was no point to not get a 4K TV. Um, And I've watched a couple of 4K things on Amazon, but there's not that much. Um, And I do have a 4K AV amplifier that I bought a few years ago, so I am ready. I think I would have to change my HDMI cables, however. That's important to note that there's a certain HDMI version. I think it's point. Two, that you need to do 4K, um, and whatever copy protection there is with 4K. I don't know. Okay, See, this question I have to ask
0: you here. Your 4K set, does it have HDR?
9: It does, yeah. it's It's got all the buzzwords from last year, um, HDR and local dimming and a few other things. Okay, well, then you're no, future-proofed. No, I, I, I am future proof and, and I got this last year um, on Amazon Prime Day, it was like one-third off. And it's it's quite a good TV, actually.
0: All right, we have hope for us yet. A guy here who was a Holocaust survivor, the world's oldest man, died at 113. Wow. Okay. And he survived the Holocaust. Yep. Whoa. There's hope for us yet. Apple TV, I have to think about that. As I said, I see no reason... Not to keep my present Apple TV. Maybe when the next one comes out, I'll take a look. We'll go from there. I don't know. Apple seems to treat it like the invisible product. Doesn't get a lot of attention. Doesn't get a lot of publicity. The improvements in the TV OS 4 don't seem to be very substantial. Just minor stuff. So I don't know. I think Apple's still trying to figure out what it wants to do. With that product line, we have more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
0: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same.
12: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: So before we go on to anything else that might be left with Apple, Apple TV you think Apple is still figuring out what's going on with that?
9: This has always been the kind of product that looks good and sounds good, but really doesn't necessarily catch on. Um, It's a crowded marketplace, the the devices to stream things. and, and, And the first Apple TV came out before there were many of these devices. Remember, the first one was sort of like an iPod in the living room that you actually sync things to. But they're up against a lot of competition, whether it's Amazon's Fire or Roku or things that are built into your TV. Frankly, I, I could do almost everything that I do on the Apple TV with my TV set. As I said before, you know Netflix and Amazon Prime, those are the two major things that I use for streaming, and Plex, these are all available on my TV set. So the Apple TV only really adds me the iTunes Store. However, I do prefer the interface on the Apple TV. If I could get the Amazon Prime app, I would rather only go through the Apple TV. The only reason you need the Apple TV today is if you want to access your iTunes library or use the iTunes store. So if you rent or if you purchase movies from the iTunes store. Otherwise, there's absolutely no need. Either your TV has what you need to stream or you can buy a box from another company that's a lot cheaper.
0: And remember, even Roku, which is a lot less than Apple TV, has HDR, at least one version of HDR, and 4K. So that's what you need. And as you say, the TV sets, especially the newer ones, have these app features. I can't say how well they're implemented. But if you're just restricting yourself to maybe Amazon video and you're getting Netflix, by the way, the Defenders, the superheroes from the series from Netflix coming on the 18th of August with Daredevil, Iron Fist, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, Kirk. <laughs> Jessica Jones and Luke Cage coming the 18th. That's, you'll get all of them. Anyway, at least until Disney takes away all that, because Disney's going to take away all its streaming from Netflix in a couple of years. And that's going to make it all confusing. Let's talk about a little bit about TV content here. So, what is it, a million or two million people or something have cut the cord. No more big bundles from the TV networks on cable and satellite. You know, we have 300 channels, nothing to watch they get Netflix, maybe they watch over the air if they can. And maybe they'll get one of the other streaming services. They'll get HBO. They'll get Showtime. We're going to have CBS All Access. And that's it. They free themselves. Supposedly, that means that with fewer customers, cable and satellite companies have to charge each customer more. To me, that's ridiculous. If you want to keep more customers, charge less. But what do I know? So what do you have there in the UK? Do you have like a big bundle of junk to watch?
9: Yeah, Sky TV is has a monopoly. They're the only real company that offers um satellite C- cable's very limited. Virgin cable does exist in a number of cities, but cable isn't very widespread. BT, so which is formerly British Telecom, they've started doing TV a while back and they mainly do TV over ADSL. I don't think there's a big uptake on it because Sky gets most of the sports, including the soccer. It's incredibly expensive. There's no way I want to spend that kind of money just to watch TV. You know, we do have a Netflix subscription, and we have Amazon Prime, so we get video through them. And spending another 50 pounds a month to get a bunch of movies, which some of which are going to be on Netflix and Amazon, maybe not this year, but next year, it's really not worth it. And you do get a bundle of channels, and you get all sorts of things. and And, and I guess it's practical if you have kids, so they do have a Disney Channel as an add-on, but it's just too expensive. I, I had satellite TV and and TV over ADSL in France for a few years, but I just don't want enough TV to want all these channels. There's not that much that interests me.
0: You see, we get to the a la carte thing and the argument about cord cutting is just subscribe to the services you want. The problem is when you do that...
9: The cost of the individual services.
0: Right. It adds up. So you have like a slim package from DirecTV and Dish Network here. And you have PlayStation TV. And you have stuff like that. So you spend, what, $30, $40 a month for the slim package, which is like your basic cable and maybe a few frills. And then you get Netflix. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to have the the new Star Trek TV series Discovery. is going to be on CBS All Access and the spin-off for the Good Wife TV show. I'll get that for another, what, $6. You add that up, at the end of the day, a basic cable package, if it has all or most of what you want, from the cable or satellite company, maybe with a couple of extras, is going to be the same price or less, with more convenience, because you're not dealing with 40 apps with different interfaces, you're dealing with one box, one interface, and then you add one or two more.
9: And also, you may have different um, renewal dates for your various subscriptions, um, different payment dates, and it can just get confusing. You've got Netflix at a certain date. Your Amazon Prime is probably annual. Um, if you subscribe to the Disney thing, it's going to be whatever date you subscribe. These are all separate companies. Um, I, I think you're going to get people subscribing to Disney if they have kids because Disney is that they do have a lot of good stuff. But I don't think they have enough to make a full streaming service really worth 10 bucks a month unless they're going to be starting to produce a lot of content that they don't release in cinemas and and on DVD and Blu-ray.
0: Well, I don't know whether CBS made a mistake or not in offering a Star Trek series with all access. I don't think all access was going anywhere. So this is going to be the tentpole. New Star Trek series. They'll show the first episode on CBS. You want to see episode two and beyond, you got to subscribe. Now, some people may subscribe just for that. But after a while, they're going to say, well, why do I... I can binge watch that unless it's on, you know, every week, and you have to keep it for a period of time. But if it's like Netflix, where all the episodes are available at once, you know, with Netflix, if you want, you could basically subscribe for three or four months, watch your shows, and then leave it idle for the rest of the year.
9: Yeah, yeah. I think the problem is that every company sees this as a sort of El Dorado. But unfortunately, as this fragmentation starts happening, people are going to be overwhelmed by it and say it's not worth the hassle. On the other hand, they don't want to pay as much as they were paying before. You know, I hear from people in the States who say they're paying $100 or more per month for cable because they've got, I don't know, HBO, Showtime, whatever, extra channels. But still, that's just a ridiculous amount of money to pay for sitting in front of a TV. All due respect for those who like to watch a lot of TV, I think that, you know, spending that kind of money is just not my thing.
0: I wouldn't pay that amount. And I've learned to deal with less. You have to deal with less, not just because you get older, but how many hours a day do you have to watch that stuff?
9: Whether you have 10 channels or or 100 channels, you can only watch it for, I don't know, a few hours a day, if that's what you do. We watch TV in the evening. Frankly, not to judge people, but there are a lot more interesting things to do. Read some books. Unfortunately, there is a president who doesn't read books right now. Books can be good. They can be even better than TV sometimes, and they can be less expensive when you look at how long it takes to read a, a long book and how much it costs. That's a debate for another day, I think.
0: Kirk McElhern, we want to know more about what you're doing. How do we find out?
9: You can come to my website. It's called Kirkville. It's at www.kirkville.com, and you'll see everything I write about.
0: Okay, you can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter, and I'll be there somewhere. You can also find me on Facebook. The guy with the red plaid shirt, it's a little bit old now, but I still have the shirt, and I'm still here. Sort of, kind of. All right? We also have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast at Paracast.com. And this episode, we revisit the so-called teenage ufologists of the 50s and 60s who grew up following the saga of UFOs. They're Alan Greenfield and Tim Beckley and Rick Hilberg and Jerome Clark. Some of them have been noted authors. On the subject, also a guy named Gene Steinberg, because these are my closest friends in the world. And it's going to be a fabulous show, especially when two of those guests decide they sharply disagree with one another about history, and they get into it. Powercast.com. We have a special version of this show, available only if you subscribe to Tech Night Plus. You get the commercial-free version with better quality audio, so my voice doesn't sound quite as bad with the head cold find out more, go to plus.technightowl.com, plu Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live.
9: Thanks for having me again, Gene.
3: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated, We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.